I mean, we are, we're pastors and we're theological and we're biblically minded, but there are other things that we're good at and the people <laughs> need, they need to know. Welcome, everybody, to the Halfway There cast. I'm Tyler. And I'm Eric. We want to welcome you in today for our discussion on theology, pastor care, 80s hair metal, and everything under the sun. Hope all is well with you today, Eric. How are you doing today, brother? I'm hanging in there like a hair on a biscuit. That's what I'm doing, Tyler. Hanging in there. We're just hanging in there tonight, aren't we? We're hanging in there. We're glad that we are halfway there. Goodness gracious. Yeah, we've had a, a wild time tonight already and uh, look forward look forward to the topics we've got uh, uh, before us here tonight. So let's just jump right in because we got a lot to talk about, I feel like. Uh, uh, first thing we'll talk about, we went and we saw Def Leppard at the Kentucky State Fair, uh, almost said this year, uh, back in our teenage years. Uh, you would think to go to a state fair, you're going to ride a roller coaster, ride rides, see, uh, you know, um, agriculture shows or, or whatever may be, eat fair food. No, not us. We went to the Kentucky State Fair to see Def Leppard. Yes, we did. Def Leppard and the one-armed man who was, <laughs> who was their drummer. And we, we were very interested in him because you were a drummer in your heyday. You My had heyday. two arms. <laughs> You were, I mean, you were pretty good. Well, this no. guy as, as well. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, this 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 drummer with one arm, uh, literally with one arm tied behind his back. I mean, he he could out drum about anybody. He, he was fantastic. Yeah, um, I remember him having the kit, the drum kit. For those that don't know what a kit is, that's the drums. The drum kit surrounding him, being all the way around him. And he had a, a swivel seat in the middle of it. And I believe that what he could do, he used his feet to somehow he designed this thing to hit his hit, hit the other drums and of course the one arm. Uh, but it was truly amazing to watch. Now we love Def Leppard. They we we went through a, a real powerful Def Leppard stage where we liked their music and yes. they just happened to be at the state fair that year. So we went. Took it in, yep. For sure. Um, and uh, it was really good concert. We were talking earlier about how the venue was set up a little bit different than a lot of places, kind of up higher and just just a different setup. But but yeah, it was a good time. You, you had one of your flame lighter things. I remember yeah. that. That was the flame was like huge. Yeah. Now, uh, the best I remember, and I, I'm probably wrong, but did no one open for them, did they? Wasn't it just Def Leppard? I don't remember anybody else. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they yeah. just, just came out and played. Just the Leopard. Just the Leopard. They're good enough to open the show, close the show, every bit of it. Yeah. Uh, but now, probably the most memorable thing about that trip was the drive there. Am I, am I correct? I don't have any recollection. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was a memorable, memorable drive. Um, 
of course it was me and you and our boy scott scott right scott scotty boy yeah scott was yeah. with us i believe and we were wearing the uh <laughs> the the white tank top undershirt yeah. things we were uh, for, yeah. for some reason that was our wardrobe that day yeah and uh yeah yeah uh, and, got uh, got to going a little too fast in the Mustang on the way up there. And the the Kentucky State Police. <laughs> yeah, paid us for first encounter uh, with the with the speeding ticket there, and so yeah, got a speeding ticket on the way to see Def Leppard, and it was uh, didn't tell my parents until we were at Mister <laughs> Gaddy's the next day <laughs> after church. We <laughs> it was a Saturday night, and if you remember. We made it back. We went to church the next day. We got up and went to church. Yeah, ears went ringing. Went to Mr. Gaddy's <laughs> with my parents. Yeah. And at Mr. Oh. Gaddy's in public, I, I made sure to tell my parents, yeah, yeah. I, got a, I got a speeding ticket. Wasn't it the, the so. comical thing? Of, and I know that that's not comical, but the comical thing about that was when uh, the policeman came up to the window and looked into the car and there you were in your skinnish tight tank top. medium <laughs> and, medium and then me in my skinnish tight tank top <laughs> it's it very awkward an awkward situation for us <laughs> and <laughs> scott in the back <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Don't know. I don't know why we made some of the decisions we made, but I, I guess we, I guess we thought a lot of ourselves or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, we did. We must have. I don't know, but uh, we. So that was uh, that was fun. That was a good concert, though. Def Leppard, good show. They were older. I, they're still touring. I, I saw the other day they were. Yeah. I actually think they're playing the Kentucky. They played the Kentucky State Fair this year. <laughs> Really, I think they did. Oh, gosh. I wouldn't mind. I mean, that they're a they're a good a good band. They've actually put out a new album or two in the last couple really? of years. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll yeah. still listen Check. to some of their old stuff. Yeah, we uh, really um, would get into pour some sugar <laughs> on me. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had our own own version of that. If, if you remember uh, yeah we did yeah. we we had our parts and uh yeah and you really like their wordplay in their other songs right how they uh yeah yeah that they were good at uh yeah oh yeah that was yeah yeah they were I, i'm sure that was exactly how they said it that's um, exactly i thought it was them I, I went back there well okay i mean i know i know we've talked about in, in past podcast, how this podcast has now gone worldwide. We, uh, you know, a man was spotted on the beaches of Cabo, Cabo San Lucas listening. Yes. We found out the other day that I, someone has listened in Ireland. Yes. But lest anyone think that you have become worldwide famous from this podcast, they have never watched your pool maintenance video on YouTube. Well, the the pool maintenance videos really, uh, you know, I got several views on that, and I ended up I found out it was just all you watching it over and over, and it, it wasn't until a long time later you told me you're like, yeah, man, I, I watched your your pool maintenance video. I did, I did. 
I think I, I think originally I'd made it. I think my brother-in-law, uh, yeah. Kevin, had a question about uh-huh. pool maintenance, and I, I thought, hey, instead of explaining it to him, I'll just show this or make this video. <laughs> and it, it was it was a good video, <laughs> and um, it was a good video. Yes, and the purpose of it, I have one of those like Walmart kind of pools that's cir- <laughs> circular, and you got to set it up. And the point of it was to just know how to get the junk to the middle of of the pool. I, so I remember it out there. I remember you emphasizing that in the video. Yes, and and you got to give it a stir, <laughs> and, and you stir it up, and um, stir it several times. And you may think, hey, I've got a clean pool. But you don't know how dirty it is until until you get it started up and all the stuff goes to the middle. Right. Uh, well, so my pool situation here at the house is year by year by year we graduate. Uh, we started out with a little, you know, little blow up slip and slide kid pool. The next year, the grandparents thought we needed a bigger pool. The next year, they thought we needed a bigger pool, and and that is that has evolved into that we need a permanent above ground monster pool with a monster deck around it. Yeah, and the vein you built with your own two hands. I did, by the way, the deck. Yes, um, but the vein of my existence every spring and summer is the maintenance of the pool. Yeah, we buy the pool shock, we buy the chlorine, we've got the vacuum, we do it all. But every year, at some point in the summer, the pool is green. Yes, it's, it's inevitable. Yes, it's absolutely inevitable. Um, I told you I just came back from Panama City Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend that took care of our dog also changed the pool filter for us kind of midweek. Yeah. So, but when I got back, it had all that mustard mm. stuff at yeah. the bottom, and it's going to take me two or three days just to kind of work through that. So, yeah, you got to get that algae side. That's the yeah. algae side's the only thing that'll do it. Um, that's what we've had to do. And, you know, we went on vacation one year, and uh, my brother was supposed to, you know, watch the pool, use the pool. Because uh, the worst thing you can do with the pool is not use it, just let it sit there. Yeah. Uh, so, he said he did, but I came back. We came back in, and I think we got home like late Saturday night. So we had church the next morning. And of course, um, the genius scheduler I am, I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and preach that Sunday. So we come in, and I, I deal with our dog in the back, and and I kind of look back to where the pool is, and there's like a, a, a geyser of water shooting it. <laughs> 15 foot up in the air and i think what what has happened and well one of the hoses from the pump had had got a crack in it and i mean it was just i mean it was just the uh, so the pump was just spraying water it was just shooting and so there was no circulation happening so the water was green in the pool i don't think i even got it fixed that summer um, how long do you think it had been doing that well now that's that's debatable um, only the Lord would truly know that because my brother says that he was there through the week and checked on it, but mm. you know, I can't imagine that happened just in one night. Uh, so, so it was shooting up in the air, much like my Dodge Ram does when I try to <laughs> use my windshield yeah. wiper fluid. <laughs> Very similar. You showed me that the other day. That's, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, that, I, I told there, my, 
I told my wife about it. I well, love it so much. Th- my kids love it. Like we pull up to a stoplight somewhere and they're like, yeah. Dad, do the thing. Because <laughs> I, I pushed the button to squirt the windshield wiper fluid and it just will shoot all over the, the car next to us. I almost want to make one of my vehicles do that. All you have to do is just ta- <laughs> take off the thing on top. It, it's just a little, yeah, yeah. A little thing that directs it, just pop it right out. But then, I mean, I get, I, I mean, does it still land on your windshield some? Enough if to, you're if you're driving 15 miles an hour or yeah. faster, it'll come right back on your windshield. So, so you get the fun of being at the stoplight. Yes, what, stop- what, what do other people think about that? <laughs> I don't know. I've only done it in the dark. I think so far. So I've, okay, well, I, I've uh, tried to avoid any confrontation. I've got, I've got an older truck. I may try to do that on it. Oh, it's uh, it, it's, it's really endless good. summer fun for the kids. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be really fun is to. I dropped my kid off at school one morning and hit it when I dropped him off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, come here, come listen to the halfway there cast for all information about pool maintenance and how to uh, shoot water out of the top of your truck. Well, here, here's what we have to do. I mean, we are, we're pastors and we're theological and we're biblically minded but there are other things that we're good at and the people need, they need to know. They, they, they need, need to know. know about the Def Leppard concert and yeah. how to take care of the swimming pool. Right. Things like, cause where else are you going to get that? That's true. That's true. You know what I did find out this year with my pool and I've, I've tried to really stay on top of it this year was, uh, it's, it's stayed clean almost all year, except when I had my little surgery, I was down for a while, but, but just brushing it, just taking the brush and just cleaning the bottom, pushing it all towards the, the filter area. Mm-hmm. And that'll keep it pretty clean. Um, but yeah, it's, you think some of it's the Kentucky weather. Yeah. Um, especially when it gets, here's what happens when it gets <laughs> over 90 degrees and it's warmer, the algae multiplies. That, that's when they really start having fun and they multiply then. And yeah, there's just pollen in there. There's stuff all the time. Yeah. I think that I think you need to make a new video with that update on it. Well, <laughs> give the people what they want. Um, That's exactly right. I don't even know the name of my YouTube um, channel. Um, speaking of which, though, we have a YouTube channel now. Yes, let's plug that. We we're going to be putting stuff on YouTube. Um, uh, portions of our podcast we try to record ourselves now, so we've had to, you know, we have to make our hair look nice and wear decent clothes while we're podcasting. We can't just yes. jump in here, jump in here and do it. So uh, check that out. If you want to see us while we talk and if halfway you there ministries, right? You're at halfway there ministries on the YouTube. Also, we've added a TikTok. Uh, we, a TikTok. We are TikTokin. What, what is that? What would you call it? A TikTok? Just a TikTok? I, I think we've got the TikTok. I, okay, I think you we, have to Say the TikTok, maybe. We've, At we've our got, age, that's yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, we've got the TikTok now, so check that out, too. That's uh, Halfway There Ministries as well. And maybe website in the future with some other resources on it. Looking forward to um, just helping people out a little bit and uh, try to uh, work out things we've learned some, maybe. Yeah. Um, so you sent me a tweet this week, or uh, put it on our notes here. Uh, Jim Stevenson. I don't know Jim. Do you know Jim? Don't know him. Shout out to Jim, uh, Reverend Jim OPC on the Twitter. 
Uh, he says this, remember the Asbury revival question mark. Neither does anyone else. Okay, Jim. Uh, Jim, I think did come across a little harsh in that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did, but, but uh, it did, but- it did make me stop to think when, when he wrote that, uh, as big of a deal as the Asbury Revival was, um, just w- when did that happen? Was uh, I was trying to think. Spring? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was this spring. Well, okay. When did you come preach at Cedar Point? Was that March? March. So it was the week, you actually, the week before they ended. Because I was like, oh, no. Every Asbury's having this revival, and now everyone's think that I we're just gonna have a guy come preach because Asbury's having a revival, and we're trying to catch the fire yeah. here at Cedar Point. You know, I was real nervous about that, but yeah, I know it was around that same time, so Marchish uh, was when that was going on, and we're in July now, at the end of July, and you just don't hear anything else about it. All right. So, so that kind of. You know, we, we've kind of beat around the bush about this for the last couple episodes um, with with talking about the means of grace and talking about online church and COVID and all of those things. And that is revival and revivalism. Uh, here's what I want you to do, Eric. Explain to us what revival is, and then I will explain what revivalism is. Okay, revival. So when I was growing up in church, we would have what we called revival services two times a year. I remember our church would put a big banner out front, revivals happening this week at this time. We'd have one in the spring and one in the fall. And what that would usually consist of is bringing in some sort of evangelist, somebody who who really can stir the people up and is a good speaker and just, just a lot of charisma about them. And with the hopes that if there were any lost people in the church, that they would get saved or people that are saved, they would kind of um, catch fire again and get all excited and, and, and start up. So it's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a, a kick in the behind a couple of times a year, kind of almost like a little booster uh, to go. get you through. So, so you have your, your ordinary stuff through the year. Then every now and then you have this special event um, where um, where where that's supposed to take place. So so revival, the way what I'm trying to get to is the way it's looked at is it's something to get lost people saved and save people kind of uh, more excited again is how it's usually looked at. Now, now, what were you going to add with revivalism? Like what? Is yeah, that and and well, let me just uh, so. Uh, churches make the practice of uh, planning a revival service, maybe one, two, maybe three or four times a year. Um, And so then let me just roll right into what revivalism is. Revivalism then is uh, ultimately the planning of those things. So um, I guess you could say trying to manufacture uh, what God does through um, what we'll talk about later, the ordinary means of grace. And, and we need, let's wait before we get into that. But, but trying to manufacture that, trying to uh, 
you know, kind of like you said, bringing in an evangelist, a, a good speaker, bringing in someone that will, will get everyone fired up, will give them a kick in the pants, will will set everyone straight spiritually, uh, trying to manufacture a move of God ultimately. Yes. And uh, we we see that, and I believe the cult, the church culture has been affected by that in a great way. Now, let me give you um, a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Revival, uh, and he defines revival. He said, a revival, by definition, is the mighty act of God, and it is a sovereign act of God. Okay, now... Eric, that definition that that uh, Lloyd Jones gives uh, contrast that with when we hear the word revival today, what we think. Well, he said those two words, sovereign act, meaning it's God's prerogative to bring about not only salvation to people but also a, a rejuvenating, a a restoration of the joy of our salvation. Um, only God can do that. Um, we can't manufacture that, but boy, we've, we've tried over the mm. years to do it. And that's by a lot of things. It's, it's going to happen for this week. It's going to be at this time. Um, you're going to come up to the altar and pray. You're going to, at the end, have, have an invitation, um, where you're having people to come forward. Um, and, and you're going to pull out all the stops. You're going to have uh, the best music you can get, and you just are really got to put your best foot forward during this week for you to do it. But that that's not how it works. Scripture says the wind blows where where it wants, and and that, that's how the spirit of God works as well. It's not something that you can kind of corral and uh, and do it yourself or talk God into it. Absolutely, and so historically we've had two uh great i guess you could say revivals in the history of america uh one being the first great awakening first great awakening by the preaching of jonathan edwards and uh, george whitfield uh and you had a great move of god in that first great awakening in, in the new england states um and, and down into the south a little bit uh, by the ordinary means, uh, just reading history on those things. They were it was started out of prayer meetings out of Yale University and then through just preaching in regular church services. Well, then what we happened, what happened was hundreds of years later, a man by the name of Charles Finney um, tried to take those ordinary means and remanufacture those things to bring revival again the second great awakening and uh, that's where we see revivalism uh, where someone has tried to take what had happened something that god has done uh remanufacture that put it back out and in hopes that god would do it again yeah and the thing with asbury and and you and i talked a little bit about it as it was going on and we both kind of said that we're cautiously optimistic, I think is how we worded yeah. it, meaning, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm glad for any attention toward the word of God, but kind of cautious with, uh, with how it was happening. And one thing that you didn't really hear from that 
um, you heard a whole lot about music mm-hmm. and things like that, but but one thing that really seemed to be missing was the preaching of God's word. It was more yeah. so just a, a, a sing-along and, you know, d- nothing wrong with that, but um, God's word is is the means by which he uh he, he brings life it, it's a it's a double-edged sword and uh able to pierce to the marrow and it, it's a, it's alive and it's what imparts life to us through the work of the holy spirit so yeah just thinking about it and and what was happening is it a revival uh, was it a revival well biblically um don't know if everything that happened there lines up with what scripture says and, and where's the fruit from it. So, you know, looking at it from, from this way, looking back on it now, uh, you just got to kind of consider some things with it that, uh, you know, line it up with scripture and see, see what the Bible says. Yeah. And even with that, and in uh, um, Asbury's history, um, they have had, planned revivals um and even when this one began it was on the 50th year anniversary of one of the bigger revivals they had had um in the 70s i believe and and even started on the same day that was their 50th anniversary i didn't Um, know that yeah so you you begin to look at things like that and, and you begin to again revival versus revivalism uh, you begin to work that out. And and I want to say this, uh, throw a little caution to the wind here. I, we're, we're not talking about anyone's intentions here. We're not no. negating that someone does not have the heart for lost people. Uh, but, but what we do have to understand is, I mean, it, it could almost be the theme of everything we've talked about in this podcast is that God has an order and a way of doing things. And, who are we to look at the way that God has told us to do things and say, I know a better way. Well, yeah. you know, that's silliness. Uh, God, God has ordained the ways by which he will uh, bring about faith and repentance in people's lives. And it's our responsibility as people that he created and, and live for his glory to use the means that God has given us to do that. And you and I are speaking at this both having been converted after hearing um, certain songs, yep. um, you know, maybe right. sometime yeah. we can get more into our our testimony. But yeah. um, but the thing was was it wasn't just the song; it was the gospel and right. and the gospel being um, poured into our hearts before that and, and that being in us and, and that was that was the moment it, it happened so i mean we're not yeah. we're not anti music or anything like that either right um and, and we we understand some of the thoughts of these people but we, we've got to understand also that revival is not something that you can schedule and do certain things take certain steps check off certain boxes and say, okay, if these things happen, then God is going to move. Right. And I think that um, culturally, church culturally, 
it's almost like we're addicted to revival. Yes. That we've just became so obsessed and consumed with these wanting and having a, a great move of God that we actually are missing the great move of God in the very ordinary things of life. Yeah. Uh, I had a, uh, there was a Facebook post I saw this just the other day and it was by a church member and I'll keep her name out of this. I think she listens, but I mean, I just, I wanted to share it with everybody because it was just a picture of a basket of laundry. And she, she's quoted and said, I'll serve Jesus today. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's it right there. That's it. It uh, is. It's, it's serving Christ and just the very ordinary things of life and, and being very content with that instead mm. of sitting back and, and thinking the only way we're doing anything good is if we have these huge moves of God where, you know, people are filling altars and uh, this and that. And uh, it just goes back to everything we've kind of talked about the, the numbers game and all of those things. Uh, you know, it's almost, I don't know. I want to be careful and I don't want to add, um, make accusations where they're not, but, you know, we, we just need to find contentment with, with God and, and the way God's doing things and wants us to do things. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and you think about just the history of scripture. And if you go through scripture and pick out all of the big events mm-hmm. like that, um, Acts chapter two mm-hmm. with coming of the Holy spirit, uh, book of Nehemiah, mm-hmm. um, when God, used Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh, like all these big events. Well, if you counted up every big event that could be considered a revival from scripture, how many are we going to have? 10, 10 to yeah, 20, maybe uh, you, at the most have that many. Yeah. So if you think about that in the thousands of years that the Bible spans, let's be generous here and say there's, there's 20 events ish. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. what was God doing all the rest of the time? <laughs> right. and, and that's, that's where, where we are. That's, that's the process is day by day. It's, it's serving God consistently, faithfully in how you live your life and how you uh, love your family and how you take care of your family and um, how, how you work and so many different things. We can't always be looking for this big event to happen. Right. Let me give you another Lloyd-Jones quote out of the book, Revival. Um, A revival is not the church deciding to do something and doing it. It is something that is done to the church, something that happens to the church. And so I think I I take that and I kind of read it with like, well, we, we put all these practices into place. We try to do all these things. We try to um, pick certain songs and get people in certain moods and certain emotions to try to get a certain result. Well, it, God's not doing that. Right. And, and, and it's, it, that's, that's us doing that. But instead we, we do what God has told us to do. And then we leave the results and the moving up to him. Yeah. 
And I, I was reading Spurgeon just a few weeks ago, and he was talking about he, he was applying it to um, the salvation experience. But I, I think it applies here. And he was talking about how so, some people always want this big thing to happen. They they want mm-hmm. visions, they want dreams, they want all these different confirmations. And, and he was just talking about how you can't depend on those things. He said the, the dream you may be having. I, I think you use spaghetti. I can't remember though, but he's like, he's like, maybe you had too much spaghetti the night before and it, it caused you to, to dream uh, whatever it is. And, and, and he said, it doesn't matter if an angel came and stood right before me and, and spoke to me what I have from the word of God, that there's nothing better, nothing more firm, nothing greater than what God's word tells me. And, and that applies to, to what we're saying because again, we're conditioned to want all these big moves of God. And and Mm -hmm. I'm using my air quotes there moves of God to happen. And if it doesn't happen in a church service or if it doesn't happen in a revival, then, Oh, you know, some, something must be wrong. Well, that's that, that just ain't it. That that's, that's not how it is. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And we just, so we're, we're consumeristic, uh, we're results driven and we, we want to have those results immediately. And I think all those things mixed together and, and we see that uh, we can, we can do that. We can, we can put things into place to make those things happen. And I mean, even I think in my own uh, testimony of my own salvation, in a sense, uh, I fell prey to those things young when I was younger. Uh, I, I mean, even just when when I thought that I, I made a decision to follow Christ, it was just, uh, you know probably ten years old, and I didn't want to go to hell. And yeah. so a Sunday school teacher asked me that, and what ten year old doesn't want to go to hell? And it was easy. No, right. I don't want to go. So you're saved. Well, yeah that's that's easy to do and then even we went you mentioned once that we went to this thing at a church once and some heaven's gates and hell's flames very dramatic thing and uh you reminded me that i went to the front i'd forgot all about that uh and uh even i don't know what i did there (laughs) nothing i don't know either store stored up more wrath of the lord upon me i guess <laughs> uh, but uh yeah but even you know falling prey to many of those things that are so easy to fall prey to and you know it just makes me wonder as i'm, I'm sitting here and even just thinking through those things what Ultimately, and again, we're not questioning anyone's intentions, but ultimately what is behind that, that so many things like that, we see so many false converts come out of it. Yeah, uh, well, I I don't know. It goes back again, as it seems like it does every week, to Sola Scriptura. Do, Do people actually think the word of God is enough? And what it says, what God has said in it, how he's spoken to us through it. And, and most of the time for most people, the answer is, is no, it's not because I want God's word. Plus I want this experience. Yeah. I want this thing to happen to me. Yeah. 
I want this feeling. And, yeah. And, and you see it, I've seen it before, like with youth camps and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids coming home from youth camp every summer, it's same ones convicted and, and yeah. repenting. And, and next year they do the same thing. Uh, but it's, our churches are responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Mark Dever that talked about how church needs to be so boring <laughs> basically to to people that that aren't there for christ right that that that, that they're not going to be able to grab on to anything else i mean right. that, that, that's what church should be about i mean right. if you're not there for the word of god if you're not there to worship him and for the things we do as a church you are going to be bored to death and i think that that's yeah. what it is is you know we got to have something so speaking of which you know, as we were thinking about this, um, I, I don't know if we could let our listeners uh, hear this eventually or not, but we've talked about Saddleback Church a couple of times or, yeah. or a time or two now. Did, did you see what's going on this week? Is that uh, is that Mario? Um, well, they're having them and several other big mega churches. They're having what's called um, the take me to the movie series i think is what they're called okay yeah it seems like uh <laughs> and, and churches the, do that so i'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah well the the clip i saw was of the two pastors the husband and his wife of yeah. course and she was dressed up like little bo peep and he was dressed up like woody from toy story so okay. the theme of the service that sunday was toy story i guess and oh, wow. and i mean people were just were flocking to it and then i saw yeah. another another church they had a star wars theme yeah i saw and, that one and then yeah. i saw super mario brothers too so so when you're not depending on the word of god you got to start pulling in all this other stuff and and that just feeds into this culture of give me something big give me some sort of feeling give me some sort of experience and as pastors it's our job to to not do that uh, people have to be content with the, with the word of God. And if we're having to pull Toy Story or Mario or Star Wars into our services just to get people to come or listen, then, then we, my friend, are preaching another gospel. Absolutely. And Paul says about those that preach another gospel, they shall be accursed. Um, yeah, it, it's, I don't remember who it was, who said it. I thought Charles Spurgeon said it and I was trying to look it up, but uh, someone said it, that whatever you attract them with is what you will have to keep them with. Mm-hmm. And how true is that? That if we're using the world and the world's ways to attract people and the world's methods for doing things, then we can expect that we're always going to have to do that uh, to keep people there. Uh, man, that would be exhausting uh, <laughs> to, to do that. Um, yeah. So man, a lot there. Uh, and so it, it's a con- constant battle as, as pastors, cause we've got to continually point people to the cross, to the gospel. Yeah. And, and that's going to be our, our job. And sometimes if people aren't, you know, hip, hip array for that, then we, we can't be tempted to start, uh, doing all this, revivalistic type stuff or entertainment type stuff that, that goes along with that, giving that experience. Yeah. Found the quote, Charles Spurgeon. If you give, 
if you have to give a carnival to keep pe- to get people to come to church, then you will have to keep giving carnivals to keep them coming back. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about the pressure of pastoring before. And I think sometimes as a pastor, uh, it, it falls back on to that. We talked about different things happening denominationally, filling the tank, hashtag fill the tank. Uh, every year being a part of the conventions, we have to fill out paperwork saying how many people were baptized, how many people joined. And, and as a pastor, you always feel that pressure. And sometimes you want to, uh, you know, you want to take all that control back into your hands and think, well, okay, I've got to get these numbers up. So I, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. And, and certainly that's, that's a temptation. Uh, that's from the, the, the alert being lured and enticed by the desires of our heart. Uh, we, 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 we can't fall to those temptations. We just need to continue to uh, plow the ground uh, I guess that's the best way to sit it. Just continue to keep our hand to the plow, not look back, but continue to look forward. Um, I, I won't, I'm not going to read it all here, but, but you know, great chapter of the Bible to think about for pastors is Ezekiel chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones. Yep. And, and I just love, I could read the opening of this and that's what I'll read. And I, I can just sit, just dwell on that. Sometimes even, um, if I get to church early before everyone else alone, I'll, I'll go up to the pulpit and I'll, I'll read these first two verses or first verse. I'll read the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me down the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around among them. Behold, there was very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh Lord God, you know, I mean, what, what more do we need as pastors yeah. uh, to know that, that our Lord, he knows if those bones can live. Yeah. He's the one that will give life to those bones. Um, just so, so reassuring. So we've kind of been <laughs> beating the drum all around this topic because we've been talking about revivalism and revivals and Stirring uh, the pool waters. <laughs> Stirring the pool waters. That's like getting it all right to the center. God has given us um, the way. He's given us the blueprint. We don't have to manufacture. We don't have to sit in think tanks as pastors. We don't have to. I can remember in, in school when we had to write a paper. Remember we had to cluster. Remember that brainstorm clusters? Yeah, the main idea in the middle and make way. I hated that so bad. We don't have to do that. We don't have to sit and meet and talk about, well, what do we got to do next to get people to come? What do we have to do to get people to, to believe God's given us the means of grace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let me read from the Westminster shorter catechism. This is question 88 or answer to question 88. I guess it says this is definition to the means of grace. The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. Eric, tell us what that means in English. (laughs) Well, 
basically that God has given us the, the blueprint. He has told us what he wants us to do. He's given us the way um, by, by which we approach him in, um, in worship. And uh, that, that's, that's basically uh, what it is. So um, I, I'm looking here on the, this article I was looking at on, on nine marks about that. And you call these, you're calling these the ordinary means of grace. And the first thing, and the guy that was writing this explains this by saying that ordinary means ordained. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's part of it, meaning that this is what God has told us uh, to do. So if you look at Acts chapter two, verse 42, uh, for example, uh, the people there, they were devoted uh, to the apostles teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Didn't say anything about movie night there. Uh, <laughs> they, they had have those things. So basically this is what God has ordained for us to do and for, for how we are to function. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's really funny. I'm looking at the same article right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is it by David Strain, nine <laughs> marks? Uh, yeah. By the David ordinary. Strain. Yeah. Right. You see where it started with the Westminster Shorter Catechism there. That's what I read. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well. That's good. Same mind. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, so, so God has ordained these ordinary things. He is, he's given them to us as, and I kind of look at it like this. He's, and I said this in church not too long ago, it seems like I've taught through the ordinary means of grace several times in just some of our uh, other settings, not our Sunday morning, but other settings. But um, he's given us these gifts to the church. And when we don't use them, it's almost as if we look at the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the one that has given us breath and life, and we have said, eh, we don't need your gift. We know a better way. Yep. It's awful audacious of us. It is. Uh, so ordinary means of grace. Tell us what those things are, Eric. And, and, and they're all centered in the Bible. Uh, that's kind of the hinge of all. Yeah. So, so we've got his sacraments, which some people um, may not like that. We're, we're talking uh, Lord's Supper and baptism with that. Yeah. We have prayer. We have the preaching of his word. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when we come together as a church, that's, that's what we do. We, we preach, we, we pray, we have Lord's Supper, we, we baptize. Um, we don't have to add to that. Right. And, and it is a blessing to have those. Um, they're all, pictures of so many things bad baptism is a picture of the gospel is mm-hmm. the death burial and resurrection of christ the lord's supper is a picture of the gospel with his body and and the blood with the bread and mm-hmm. and the drink there and so you're right i mean it's a it's a tremendous gift and and we think that this is this is just kind of the stuff we got to get through sometimes to to do the other stuff is how it's looked at i'm afraid right yeah. And I've always kind of looked at it like this and I've always added singing into that. And, and I'll say it's the, the, the preaching or hearing of the word, the praying, the word, the singing, the word, 
and then the the visualization of the gospel or the word in the ordinances baptism of the lord's supper that's a good way uh, to look at it yeah yeah and just always and and again as you said earlier we're always coming back to sola scriptura that that we 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 center everything that we do on the word of god it is his very breath as he told timothy uh, speaking of what he told Timothy, I'll scroll down to this article that me and you both are looking at. And Second um, uh, Timothy four, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As you, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Man, have are we not in a time where um, people have itching ears and they find yeah. themselves teachers to suit their passions? Yeah, and if you don't like what the pastor says then you'll just go to a different church and and you'll go from church to church until you find one that's kind of saying what you like or say or one that agrees with your sin or um one that entertains you enough so that that is the culture we're in for sure right so let me just that made me think of a question so should the ordinary means of grace make us comfortable? Should we be comfortable with it as no. we, as we, so thinking of kind of riffing off of what Paul told Timothy here, that, uh, you know, there's going to be people with itching ears. They're going to find teachers to suit their own passions. My assumption is they want to find a place where they're very, very comfortable. So, the, and as you said earlier, when you quoted out of Hebrews, the word of God is sharp. It's a two-edged sword. There's times that it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but our, our, like you, you said often, our, we, we're conditioned to be comfortable. Yeah. To be very comfortable. Yeah. And th there are things set up like First um, Corinthians, Paul tells us, like before we take the Lord's Supper, for example, you know, and, and he gave examples of people dying because of the right. way that they were approaching it. So, um, before we take the Lord's Supper, we're to uh, take time and confess our sin, repent, and then take the Lord's Supper. So, there are, uh, if you want to call them safeguards, I don't yeah. know if that's if that's the best way to say it. That, but that scripture has put into place for us to make sure that we continually approach these things the these ordinary means of grace in a way of of reverence and and not just going through the motions so um it's we could if we look at it from the perspective of it's it's just the thing we do mm -hmm. it's just part of church then, then right. there would be this temptation to to get comfortable with it in the sense that it doesn't mean too much to me yeah, but but if we're approaching things biblically, preaching of the word, uh, ordinances, then uh, you're right. We are going to be continually challenged in order to face what God's word says, what He's told us to do. 
Um, so, so I, I guess the answer to that, it just depends on which way you're, you're looking at it. It's a, it's a comfort to have these blessings that God has given us, but we are continually moved out of a comfort zone. You did a really good job of answering that question. Well, thank you. You did. Thank uh, you, Tyler. So <laughs> you're welcome, Eric. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so God has given us things, these, these ordinary means of grace, they're ordained means of grace. They're ordinary things. They're not extraordinary, uh, but they're just ordinary. And he's given those things for the uh, building up of the church. Um, but these things are grace. We, we've talked about the ordinariness of them. We've talked about the ordainedness of them. We've talked about how they're not extraordinary. It's not a light show and um, a Grammy singer singing a song to draw on your emotions. It's not a, a great eloquent speaker that, that can pull everyone in, but they're just very ordinary things. But these things are of grace. And that may be the important thing about them. Well, help us to know the distinction here because um, the Catholic Church, for example, they will um, participate in Mass each week, which is basically short for massacre, which, which points to the what we would call the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. um, and with, with the, the Eucharist and, and all that. But when they partake of those things, uh, for example, with, uh, with with what we call the Lord's Supper, they believe they are actually eating mm-hmm. the body of Jesus, drinking the blood of Jesus, and that's kind of propelling them on in their salvation, kind of make, keeping them in the in the loop uh, as a simple way of saying that. How is that perspective different from from what you are saying here as far as accessing grace? Well, so we, Jesus is our intercessor. He stands between us and the Father. Uh, he is a great high priest that is unlike any other high priest that has made all provisions for us in salvation, giving us complete access to God through uh, his atoning work on the cross. Uh, we do not have to um, maintain any type of uh, moral standing or uh, self-righteousness to continue to uh, have that access to the Father. But it is only through um, the grace of Christ uh, that he has made a way through for us to have salvation. Um, and so when, when we begin to look at that, that the, the Lord's Supper and, and even accessing grace in that moment, Here's the fact about the Lord's table. Uh, you mentioned Paul uh, giving uh, the warning um, in in First Corinthians, First Corinthians about coming to the table, and he says, "Do not come to this table in an unworthy manner," and then proceeds to give the warning to come to the table in an unworthy manner. Part of that means that you're coming to that table believing you belong at that table. You come to that table believing that you deserve to be at that table. Um, When we do the Lord's Supper at church, I love to go back in the Gospels when Jesus first instituted it. And 
uh, I love what he said after he drank from the cup. Um, he took the cup, he drank it. He said, drink with this, drink this. And he said, I will drink it. I will not drink of this cup again until I drink it with you newly in my kingdom. And so when we come to the table, we come with the broken and contrite heart that David talks about in Psalm 51. We come in our complete dependence on our Lord Jesus, knowing that the only way we can come to the Lord's table is through mercy, is through grace, and is through the person and work of Christ alone. Not our efforts, not our morality, not our self-righteousness, not even the faith that we have built up within our own selves, but simply put on his grace. Um, so as we begin to think about these ordinary means and, and the grace of the ordinary means, we're understanding that, hey, here's, here's what we need to know. When we come to church on Sunday morning, we sit down and I mean, you'll preach, but, but when it, someone comes up and to preach, and they're preaching the word of God to us, guess what? We don't deserve to hear that. It's by his grace that we hear those things. Yeah, so you're saying it's it's an act of grace just to be able to participate in, in these wonderful things that God has given us. I said that in a very long way, yes. You answered that question very well, Tyler. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. But, but yeah, we, we don't. And so put that up against these, I mean, I don't, extraordinary things that we've been talking about, put that up against coming to church. And I, I know we're, we're kind of railing against movie night at the church or movie day at the church, but, but the nonsense that that is, what is that saying about the gathering on Sunday morning? If we're doing this so that I can be entertained, it's about me. Yeah. It's all about me. But look at this from the other perspective, the ordinary means of grace. I don't deserve any of this. But it's only by the grace of Jesus that I, I'm, I can be here. That he's given me access to this. Who's it then become about? It becomes about him. Yeah. Um. And, and the things that we're told to do with the Lord's Supper. I mean, who would have thought, I mean, just throughout church history, like, like who would have came up with, hey, let, let's have some bread and some, some juice for some wine here or, or whatever. Like, like that's not something that people are just going to come up with. I mean, Jesus instituted that for a specific purpose and a specific reason and the reason we do it is uh, partly, I mean, out of, out of obedience. He, he's told us to, to do this, and here is how you do it, and, and that's why we do it. So, so that's why we do the things we do. That's why we preach the way we preach. That's why mm -hmm. we baptize the way that we baptize. That's why we sing biblical songs the way, the way mm -hmm. that we sing. It's, it's, this is what he's given us to do. And, uh, you know, I, you look at the and we'll stay on the Lord's Supper here and just the way we think about that today versus 
the way the uh, Marian martyrs, the Puritans that were martyred under under Bloody Mary in England, the way that they looked at it, uh, I mean, they were they their lives were taken from them because they would not uphold the Catholic Church's teaching on the Lord's Supper, and and here we are, years later having movie night at church and everyone's just kind of laughing and good with that. Yeah. Um, it's a sad state. Uh, I believe we have to say, uh, but go ahead. Yeah. And, and it, and all this ties in together with, with what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. it's just, is, is the word of God enough? And um, I remember when I was in Bible college, the language back then, I heard this all the time. The message stays the same, but the methods change as far as how you reach people. And that was really hammered into yeah. us. And I got up for my senior sermon and delivered a sermon out of Ezekiel chapter two, mm-hmm. where God's speaking to Ezekiel and he says, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And he spoke to me uh, as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me, set me on my feet. I heard him speaking to me and he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And, and I, I gave that sermon and talked about how our method has to be the message that mm-hmm. does not change. That's the only way God right. sent Ezekiel. He said, you're going to go to these people and they're not going to listen to you, but you're going to stand up and say, here's what God says. Thus saith the Lord God. And, and that has to be what, what we were about. I had a lot of wide eyes during that because <laughs> that they weren't used to that kind of uh thinking is yeah. is more pragmatic yeah but but yet that's what we have to be about is doing what god has said the way he has said to do it and not be searching out for all these experiences and and big events and things like that um just trust trust god's word yeah so you you sit and stewed on all those lessons you got in Bible school and just yes. let it loose on the and last. S- stood up and said, yeah, here, here's how it really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you said something there, uh, pragmatism. Uh, and I know it looks like we're probably going to go long on this one. That's okay. Uh, pragmatism. It, it is almost as if what we're seeing today in the church has been a, a mixture of revivalism pragmatism consumerism and and this is what we have now uh we 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 are so desperate to reach people for whatever reason Uh, i don't not everyone's motives are the same i think we can acknowledge that but for whatever reason that that we will put methods in place that will put programs in place. We'll put people in just where they fit, just so they'll stay. And churches almost became everything. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, where it's very 
a man-centered institution instead of a, a Christ-centered place of worship. And that comes back to the role of the pastor. The pastor has to ensure that the people are feeding on the word of God and they're not being consumeristic and pragmatic and, and all that stuff. So if a church is going down that road, it's, it's because they're being led to do so. Yeah. And let's, let's try to, let's try to work to an end here, but let's try to, we're going to do this off the top of our head, a little dangerous. Uh Oh uh, yeah. This might be a little dangerous. So um, let's, let's talk to the pastor here at the end. Okay. Now, again, we've, we're combined, we're combined for a little over 20 years in the pastorate. Okay. Uh, we're not professionals at this. We're not perfect at this, but, but we've, we've been in it, you know, we've done some silly things and we've done some good things, but let's just try to give some help uh, to the pastor that is wanting to lead well. What are some things, and we'll just go one for one here. You do one, I'll do one. You do one, one I'll do one. And then whoever does the last one's victorious. Uh, <laughs> so so let's, let's just give some advice. How can pastors make sure that they're leading their people um, in these ordinary means and even guardrails to fight that temptation of to be pragmatic or revivalistic or, or consumeristic or any of the things we've talked about? Well, for one, you've got to understand that the job that you've been given is both one of the hardest jobs in the world, but also one of the easiest because you don't have to come up with anything new. You just do what God's word says take this pressure off of you that you have to perform, that you have to manufacture all these converts and, and all these big things and, and have endless events where people are doing something every day during the week and you're just stretching your congregation so thin. No, just, just do what God's word says. The, the pressure's on, if there's pressure to be had, it's on God, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's on him. You are the mouthpiece. You are the messenger and you have to show people that God's word is enough just by continually going back to that. So, so understand the, the gravity of what you're called to do, but also understand it's, it's easy in the sense that you don't have to be creative at all. You just do what God has said. That's a good one. And I, that, that was a really good one. That was a broad you broad brushed me there is what you did. Did I take everything that you had? No, you didn't take everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I will say this, and this, this helped me out as a young pastor because, um, you know, I think one of the temptations, especially for a guy that's new at it, is to hear the, the that a boys at the end of a sermon you know, to, to stand there in the back and for everyone to tell you how great of a sermon that was. And then you, when you come to the week that maybe it wasn't your best sermon, no one says it, then you're like, I failed. Uh, so this was, this was helpful for me early on is that first and foremost, I'm preaching about God to God first and foremost that I'm preaching for him and for his glory. And the Vata boys and the results, they fall where they fall. 
So if I will consume myself with, and, and that's, that's a heavy weight. That's, that's a, that's a burden to carry, but you're preaching to him for him first. I think that's just a good practice to think about before you go into a pulpit. Yeah. You're, you're up. Um, that was also a good one, Tyler, that you gave there. <laughs> um, that, that reminds me of a story that I'll tell real quick about a, a, the first church I pastored. I had a, a preacher to come preach at the church, and he, he preached as a homecoming service. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the service, the ladies went up to him like, hey, that was a great sermon. I really enjoyed it. And he looked at her, and, and he said it it wasn't about you for you to enjoy it. <laughs> Whoa. And uh, just the shock look came over her face, but he didn't move a muscle and he was yeah. dead serious. He wanted her to know that that was about God. It wasn't yeah. about, wasn't about her. Yeah. Um, so what wanted to put, put that in there. Um, the main thing that, and, and this is, I, I probably tap out with, with this one, the I'm getting to the end of my wisdom <laughs> with, with this here, but um, just you you got to go back to depend on god's on god's word the sola scriptura and even when you're not seeing results and this was hard for me for for a while when you're not looking out there and you're not seeing people however your church does it walk the aisle or how many ever people you're putting in the baptismal waters. If, if you're going through a, a stint where you're not seeing a lot of activity, remember that God's word never returns unto him void. Uh-huh. And he may be accomplishing things in people's hearts where the fruit will come from that years down the road. I mean, you don't know. It, it's not your job to, uh, to determine that you preach the word and trust his promise that his word will not return unto him void. And I, I got one more because I want to win. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so, young pastor, you don't have to be creative. God gave you a book with books and chapters and verses. Just preach the books. Just preach through the books. Grab you a book, First John, preach through First John. You don't have to come up with these crazy cultural uh, adapting sermon series every month. Just preach God's word the way God wrote it, the way he intended for it to to be taught. It's that simple. I'll use this illustration. When Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, he didn't come, the, the guy that read it didn't come in and read three verses or three lines out of the letter and then move on to something else. He read yeah. the whole letter because that was the whole message. We, we have to get our people on a diet of God's word, the way that it was wrote. Uh, and so do that. Yeah. And, and that's something too. And, and, that ties into expository preaching, which, which will be a good thing for us to talk about sometime, but that's a lot easier in some ways than these guys that every week they're sitting, Oh, what what am I going to preach about this week? Well, just preach the next verse, the the next, the next section. I know. And (laughs) 
for if if I'm like trying to if I get to the end of a series or something, I'm a lot more series based on a Sunday night than I am. I'm I'm a book Sunday mornings for the most part, uh, but. I miss uh, maybe bounce around a little bit on Sunday night. And if I'm at the end of something and I've got to find something else for the next Sunday night, I will spend hours upon hours upon hours just trying to find something where just just preach the word. I mean, you you have been preaching the gospel of John for 37 years now at at your church and you're on chapter four. (laughs) That's not true. Um, It's kind of true. I took a break through July to do the covenants and that was because I broke my arm and I couldn't ride as much as I'd like, but, uh, I know I'm at chapter eight and we're a year and a half in. That's not bad. Yeah. But you know, it's been, we did spend a long time in chapter three, the first half. (laughs) There's a lot in there. I think I really hit the brakes through the new birth there, <laughs> but anyway, oh man, well, this has been, this has been a fun podcast. We're, yeah. we're late. To, we, this is the first podcast that we started on one day and actually are finishing on the next day. Yes. So, and if fun- you're still listening at this point, party on. Thanks for listening to the halfway there cast. Make sure to listen to us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. And don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Halfway There PC. And find us on Facebook. Give us a like.